It may not be for you, but definitely it is the word for someone. Whenever I pray for my someone, I always say, Lord, only one person. Only one person. And my prayer this morning is somebody in the pews, in the congregation, maybe watching online, may, may be blessed. Because I have been blessed with this message. This morning I want us to look and study from the book of Samuel. I want us to read from the book of Samuel the experience of David. Amen. I want us to look at the experience of David and his relationship with Jonathan, his friend. I have entitled this sermon, I've entitled my sermon, You Are Not Forgotten. You Are Not Forgotten. We are going to read from the book of 2 Samuel. We are going to dwell more from, verse, from chapter 9, verse 1 to 13. That's where we are going to spend most of our time this morning. Our sermon is entitled, You Are Not Forgotten. Let's close our eyes and seek the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that you may have your own way. In Jesus' name, amen. Earlier on, we read from 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 13. I think I would like us to reread that. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 13. I've asked my elder here to help me as we cruise through some of the verses that we need to go through this morning. My vision says here, verse 13, it says, So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did it continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. So chapter 9, verse 18, it ends with a story or with a young man by the name of Mephibosheth. It tells us that Mephibosheth, at the end of the chapter, he was sitting at the king's table. He was eating together with David and his sons right in the palace. I think it's a nice experience. It's a nice experience when the president calls you to come and probably have lunch for a day. But the Bible says Mephibosheth, he had the privilege to eat daily with the king. Breakfast, lunch, and supper. Continually. The Bible gives a picture that this was an open-ended check. To eat daily, living like a prince in Jerusalem. Now the question is, who is Mephibosheth? Who is Mephibosheth? Someone might ask. Let's quickly look at 2 Samuel chapter 20. 2 Samuel. Rather, let's start from 2 Samuel chapter 4. Verse is 4. 2 Samuel chapter 4. Verse is 4. I'll ask my elder to read for me. 2 Samuel chapter 4. Who is Mephibosheth? who we find feasting at the king's table for the rest of his life. Read for me, my elder. It says here, Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled, 
But as she hurried to leave, he fell and became crippled. His name was Mephibosheth. The Bible gives the summary that Mephibosheth, he is the grandson of King Saul, Saul who was the first king of Israel. Now Saul had a son called or named Jonathan. Jonathan, he gave birth to a son and he called his name Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth is the son of Jonathan. Jonathan is the son of King Saul, the first king of Israel. The Bible then gives a picture that one day when war was happening in Jezreel, Saul and his armies were defeated. So he died together with Jonathan. When news came back home that this is what has happened, the young lady was taking care of Mephibosheth. In a rush, she picked the young boy at the age of five. The Bible says upon picking the boy and trying to run, the boy slipped off her hands and she fell to the ground. And from that day onwards, Mephibosheth was crippled. Maybe he broke his spine because the Bible says his two legs were no longer useful because he could not walk again after the experience. So now we've got a young man here who have lost his parents, father and grandfather, in one incident, on one day, no one to take care of him. And I want you to notice something what the Bible gives on to say. During this time, people like Mephibosheth, they were so much disadvantaged because the society would shun them away. But the Bible then gives a picture now that this Mephibosheth, though he was crippled, though he was injured, though he went through whatever he went through, the verse that we read earlier says, he is found feasting and eating at the feet, I mean at the table of the king. What really happened to find Mephibosheth feasting at the king's table? Let's quickly find out. Second Samuel chapter 20 verse 14 verse 17. We are building up so that it, at least we all have context of our study this morning. Second Samuel chapter 20 verse 14 verse 17. We know very well that David and Jonathan, they were very good friends. David and Jonathan were very good friends. Soon after Jonathan, I mean David, defeated Goliath, the Bible records that Jonathan, he loved David so much. He loved him so much to the extent that Jonathan, he gave all his armor, all his king, his princely robe, he gave it to David because he fell in love with David. What I want you to notice and understand is the situation here. When David uh, defeated Goliath, David became a threat to Saul. So Saul hated David because he saw the future king of Israel in David. But then Saul, he was so jealous because he wanted the kingship to remain in his house. So the heir to the king, was, to the kingdom, was supposed to be Jonathan. But then we have got David, on the other hand, who is threatening. And God has already chosen and appointed David to take over when the time is right. But the Bible says, Jonathan, he loved David, despite the two of them contending for the same position. Who is your friend? You know, sometimes I question 
the quality of friends that I have. You know, there are friends who are jealousy when you are doing very well. They are friends. They claim to be friends. But when you are prospering, you, you, you don't see them celebrating with you. But when here we are given a picture of what a true friend is all about. When you support one another. When you stand for one another despite the benefits. That's true friendship. What happened? Read for us here. So this is, the, this is the relationship between Jonathan and David. Let's hear what these guys agreed during their lifetime. What did they agree? Verse 14. Of, uh, Verse, chapter, chapter 20. Chapter 20. Yes. Sheba passed through all the tribes of Israel to Abel Beth Makkah and through the entire region of the Berites who gathered together and followed him. All the troops with Joab came and besieged Sheba in the Abel Beth Makkah. They built a siege ramp up to the city, and it stood against the outer fortification. I think we want the first, first Samuel, sorry. First is Samuel. First Samuel. First Samuel chapter 20. Okay. All right. Let me just paraphrase. Now, during their lifetime, David and, and, and Jonathan, they made a covenant. So Jonathan went to David and said, David, I'm going to make sure that whatever my father has planned against you, it's not going to prosper. I will do my best, David, to protect you. I will do my best and I will honor my word. The Bible records that Jonathan was faithful in making sure that David was protected. And at this point in time, David and Jonathan, they're having a discussion. And Jonathan said, David, I want you to promise me. I know for sure that God is going to give you victory one day. I want you to give me the promise that you will not come after me afterwards. You will not kill me. You will not also come after my own kids, my family, and everybody else. David made a covenant that day with Jonathan, and he promised him that whatever is going to happen, I will never kill you, Jonathan. Neither will I go after your descendants. I will be kind to your family. So the order of the day, when the new king comes in, he will destroy all the relatives of the previous king, just in case treason may come. So the two, they agreed. Fast forward years later, David has been, is now the king of Israel. 15, 20 years later. Chapter that you have read, second chapter 9, verse 18. I think let's, let's quickly have a look at it, my elder. Let's look at verse 1 of second Kings chapter 9 with this background in mind. Now David is now the king of Israel. He had made a covenant, a promise, years later. Now let's find out what's happening from 2 Kings chapter 9. All right. I want you to, while you're, while you're looking at that, let me read it for you. It says here, and David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba, and when they called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any one of the house of Saul that I may show kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Mark, the son of Amiel, in Lord Debar. So David now is the king. 
And then David comes and says, Is there anyone who is left of the descendants of Jonathan or Saul that I can show kindness because I've made a covenant with Jonathan? Now, when I reflect on this portion of scripture, two things come into my mind, Brother Moyo. You know what? When Jonathan was in a position of authority, he did well. When Jonathan was at, an, was at a vantage point, he invested in his relationship with David. Let me talk to someone and say, you know what? When you are still at a vantage point, it is time to invest wisely. It is time to invest wisely because things can change anytime. I'm speaking to someone here who is probably working and I'm saying to you, while you still have the energy, it is the time to prepare for your retirement because it's guaranteed that the retirement time is going to come. Let me speak to a young man here who is married. I want to say to the young people here, it is time to invest in relationships. It is time to invest in good networks as we are growing up because it is those networks in the future that will take care of you. You know, sometimes when you're in university or you're in college, you just think, you know what, life is about me. But let me say to you, it is best and wise to make good networks when you're still at your vantage ground. A married couples here, let me speak to the man in particular. You know what, it is good to invest in your wife because why? One day the kids will leave the house. If your wife is not your friend, the two of you, you will sit in that empty house quietly. While you still have the opportunity now, build the foundation that's going to pay for you, that's going to pay you in the future. Jonathan invested in the relationship. Years later when he's gone, the dividends are being paid. David is asking, is there anyone from the house of Jonathan that I can show kindness? Point number two that I've learned from this experience, remember the people who have hold or the people who are holding the ladder for you when you find yourself on top. Remember those who are holding the ladder for you. Never forget the people who are holding it for you to get on top. I'm saying to you, young men, right now you're going to university. Your mother is paying for the fees. When things come right with you, remember the woman who was holding the ladder for you. When David was now the king, he remembered what Jonathan did for him. I'm speaking to someone here. Today you are an executive, but your single mom, she was toiling day in, day out, making sure that those tuition fees are paid. I'm saying, young man, remember where you come from. That single woman, she was holding the ladder for you. Now you are at the top. Remember where you come from. I'm speaking to someone here. You know there are people in your life who have been holding the ladder for you. Don't forget those people because David is our example this morning. I don't know who has been holding the ladder for you. Just think about, about it for a minute. Where you are today, who have been holding the ladder for you? You find yourself in a better situation. Don't forget those people. David, 15 years later, he remembered Jonathan was good. He did save my life for real. What can I do? Now the Bible goes on to read, uh, for the sake of time, let me just cruise here. The Bible goes on to say here, when David was now the king, he said, can anyone show me any relative of Saul and Jonathan that I can be kind, that I can show kindness to? The Bible says, word went out, a servant of, of Saul was called in by the name of Ziba. What name did I say? Ziba. Ziba. 
He was the chief servant of Saul. So he comes to David. And David said, are you Ziba? And Ziba said, yes, I am Ziba. And David said, do you know of anyone of the house of Saul or David, of Jonathan, that I might show kindness? And Ziba said, yes, there's a young man by the name of Mephibosheth. As we speak right now, he's crippled. You know what, I want you to notice something. When Ziba introduced himself and Javis is asking him, he doesn't first say there is Mephibosheth. He is talking about his disadvantages. He is talking about his dis disabilities first. Are you picking what Ziba is doing? Ziba is saying, oh king, don't worry about this one because he's already useless. You know, there are people in life who always remember the bad things that have happened. There are people, they always, the story they have is the bad stuff that you've done, but you're a new creature in Christ. Because the Bible says, anyone who is now in Christ is a new creature. But we still have some in the church. When you ask them, do you know Matake? They say, oh, you mean that thief. <laughs> Hello? This is what Ziba is doing. Ziba is bringing in these facts so that he can disconnect David to think even about who? Mephibosheth. So David says, okay, tell me, where is this young man? Then Ziba said, he is in Lodeba. I was just doing a little bit of research to inquire or to find out what does the word Lodeba mean. The word Lodeba is a Hebrew word. Now the word Deba, because the word Lodeba is made up of two, two, two letters, Lo and Deba. The word Deba, translated loosely, simply means thing. Hello? So the word Deba, simply translated in English, means what? Thing. Then the prefix Lo means no also loosely translated into English. So this place in English, we could call it what? No thing or nothing. When I did a bit of research, I discovered that in Lodeba, there were no pastures. There was nothing there in Lodeba. Are you getting the picture? So it was just a place in the middle of Norway. Are you getting the picture? Now the question is posed, where is this Mephibosheth? And the answer is, Mephibosheth is in a place in the middle of Norway. Hello? I'm saying to someone this morning, may God locate you wherever you are. We may all have our Lodebas. We may all have our Lodebas because Lodeba is a place of no hope. It's a place where there's no light. But I'm happy here that the king is asking, where is Mephibosheth? Because many of us this morning, we find ourselves in our Lodebas. Maybe you're sitting in a marriage that is Lodeba already. They were saying here in the Sabbath school, you can present a picture as if we are happy, but back home, it's Lodeba. You may be sitting in a situation where your finances could be in a Lodebical situation. Let me make a word here. Your finances may be in a Lodebical situation. Your relationship may be in Lodeba. But I'm saying to you this morning, may God locate you in Lodeba. May you be remembered, man. That's my sermon this morning. May God remember you in your situation. Maybe you're looking for a job. You have been sending CVs all around and I'm saying to you, you might be in that Lord Eber situation. But I'm praying this morning that may God locate you in your Lord Eber. May God require of someone to go and look for you in Lord Eber. And I'm praying for someone this morning. I don't know your situation. What I've realized lately, we are all wearing smiles. But we are eaten and broken inside.
Only God knows your Lodeba. And I'm praying that may God locate you in your Lodeba. So when the king is told, no, the young man is in Lodeba, Joseph, David then says, go and bring him here. I want him here. Ziba is sent to fetch Mephibosheth. This is beautiful, man. And I'm saying, may God bring you favor this morning. May God bring you favor. May your name be spoken in that interview, man. May your name be remembered. May God send good tidings for you that he can bring you from your labor situation. And this is what happens. The young man is brought before the king. The king then says to him, I use Mephibosheth. Then Mephibosheth said, Lord, I am Mephibosheth. In his mind, Mephibosheth, he is thinking that David is about to kill me. Then David said, Mephibosheth, do not fear. I want to show you kindness. From today going onwards, you are now a prince in my house. You will eat with me every day on my table. So he changed his address from Lodeba to Jerusalem in the palace of the king. Your situation can turn upside down when God is involved. No situation change is hopeless. Hallelujah. No situation is hopeless. When God remembers you, it doesn't need time. He can just flip it like a coin. And I'm praying for someone here. You might have been going through a lot. It is my prayer this morning that in your Lord, do not lose hope. We have sang earlier on, pass me not, O gentle Savior. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. That is my prayer for you this morning. That the Lord may remember you in your Lodeba. May the Lord change your home address from Lodeba to the palace. It is possible. Do not give up. Now the Bible goes on to say, when, 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 when Mephibosheth confirmed that, yes, I'm the son, he then ordered David, ordered Ziba and said, Ziba, I know you have taken his wealth. You have looted his estate. From today going onwards, all the fields, all the estate of Saul and Jonathan, it's now under Mephibosheth. From today going onwards, Ziba and your family and your servants, you are going to be the servants of Mephibosheth. From today going onwards, you are going to till his lands and bring food here for him to eat in the palace. No matter what you are going against, God is able to turn your situation. Amen, church. You know, this really gives me hope, man. This gives me the courage and the strength to go on. When I read these stories in the Bible, they are written for our admonition. They were written for our encouragement. God is saying no situation is hopeless when he's involved. In one day, the young man changed his address. He's now living like a prince in Jerusalem. I'm run out of time. The story unfolds. Later on, Absalom, the son of David, he organized a coup against his father. So Absalom and his friends and his sympathizers, they decided to fight David. So news came to David that Absalom is coming to fight and kill you and take over Jerusalem. And then David said, you know what? 
I don't want any blood to be lost. I am going to leave Jerusalem and go somewhere and seek refuge. So David he took all his family, he took all his loyal men, and he started to make his way out. On his way out, lo and behold, who does he meet? He meets Ziba. Ziba with 20 donkeys. Ziba with oil, with wine and bread. And Ziba goes to the king and he says, Oh, my Lord, I've brought these donkeys. I know the journey is too long. I know your people, they will need food. Here is the supplies for your journey. And David was grateful. He continued his journey. After the army of David defeated Absalom. Now the king, before he proceeded, he asked Ziba, Hey, Ziba, where is Mephibosheth? And Ziba said, uh, in actual fact, king, he's very ungrateful. He has remained in Jerusalem. He is thinking that because there's no king now in Jerusalem, people will come to him and crown him king. So Ziba betrayed Mephibosheth. And David was disappointed. And David said, you know what? From today going onwards, Ziba, I give you all the wealth of Jonathan and Saul. Are you getting the picture, church? That is the reason why when David was asking about Mephibosheth, Ziba does not speak the good about Mephibosheth. He tells the king that, no, don't worry about that one. He's useless because he's crippled. But when grace locates you, your disabilities, God does not look at that. Ah, uh, you know what happened? After the war is finished, David comes back to Jerusalem. As he entered into the gates of Jerusalem, lo and behold, the first man that greets him, it is Mephibosheth. And the king asked him, Mephibosheth, why didn't you come with me? Why? And Mephibosheth, he said, no man king, Ziba, he betrayed me. You know, I am crippled, and I depend on the help of others. That day, I asked him to prepare a donkey for me so that I can come and join you as, you as you leave Jerusalem. But Ziba, he betrayed me. I know he said bad things about me. No, David was very disappointed again. And David said to, to, to Ziba, you know what, Mephibosheth and Ziba, I'm done with you. Today, you're going to split the estate of Saul 50-50. I want us to look and listen what Mephibosheth said, my elder. Mephibosheth, he said to King David, don't worry about the estate. Let Ziba take 100% of everything. As long as you, my king, are back and you are here in Jerusalem, I would rather be with you than have all those things. Let Ziba Take everything. Oh, that was a powerful gesture. In other words, what I'm saying to you, church, Mephibosheth is coming to us and say, you know what? He understands the grace that has been extended to him. He appreciates what the king has done for him. He is saying, I would rather be in your presence than to have silver and gold. Many of us, we have traded the presence of the king for the silver and the gold of this world. We can trade anything. We can trade in exchange for the salvation that Christ has brought for us. I want us to read these verses for the sake of my time. I want us to read quickly what the Lord has done for us. John 3, verse 16 to 17. 
Let's quickly find out what did the Lord did for us. John 3 verse 16 and 17. Then somebody can quickly, Ephesians chapter, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5 and 9. I think we need to read this and then we close. I want us to find out what happens here. John chapter 3 verse 16. So the Bible says, For God so loved the word that he gave his only now, verse 17 says, God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. I want you to see what happens here. When David realized that there is someone who is lost outside, when David realized that there is a Mephibosheth, the Bible goes on to say, he sent word to go and fetch Mephibosheth. You know what? I see the character of God in David, brother Moyo. I see the character of God. When we were lost in sin, hiding away from him, the Bible says it is God who sent his own son to seek for you in your Lord Deborah. We all have our Lord Debas of sin, isn't it? But God did not look into anything. He saw love and he sent his own son to look for each and every one for us. Now the Bible goes on to say, I love it when Peter, when, when, when Paul is writing to the church in Ephesians, he says, you know what, in time past, you were far away from God. You were without God. You were aliens. You were not even in the commonwealth. But because of Christ, God brought you all the way from there and he brought you to sit at the king's table in the heavenly places. Can I have... Five or six young boys, quickly, as we read. Five or six. Young boys, come quickly. I want to demonstrate something. My elder, I want you to read for me Ephesians. Please read for me Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 to 14. Can I have quickly five? But I just want to demonstrate something as we, as we finish up. Ephesians chapter, chapter 5, chapter 2. Read for us quickly, my elder. I want you to stand in your line. It says, remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, who once were far away, you were far away from, have been brought near through the blood of, of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. I wanted to see something change. What Paul is writing here, I just want to demonstrate it so that we can appreciate what Paul is writing. Paul is saying, at one time, we were strangers, without hope, like Mephibosheth, far away from God. Are you getting the picture? But then he says, through the blood of Christ, God, in other words, Christ, through his grace, he picked us from afar off, and today, we are now fellow citizens. We are now heirs in the kingdom of God. Are you getting the picture? Let me tell you and demonstrate something to you. When the priest in the olden days was praying, this is how the priest would pray. He would first pray for himself. He would pray for himself. Are you getting the picture? The priest would first pray for who? For himself. Then afterwards, the priest would pray for his family. Who else does he pray for? He would pray and intercede for his family. When he's done, he would then pray for the man 
of Israel. Are you following me closely? He would pray for who? For the men of Israel. Then when he's done, he would pray for the women of who now? Of Israel. When he's done, he would pray for who? For the children, the young ones that are growing up. When he's done, he would then pray for the animals and for the strangers. Are you getting the picture? He would then pray for the animals and the strangers that were out of the court far away. Does it make sense to you, church? No wonder why Jesus was born in a manger. The reason why Christ was born in a manger was for him to come and fetch the stranger who was amongst the animals. Now Paul is saying, when Christ came through his blood, we who were far off, he lifted us up. Are you following church? And he brought us here to the front of the line. Now when he's done that, the Bible goes on to say, you are now a royal priesthood. A holy people, a holy people, a peculiar people. Because God has chosen you. He has taken you from the darkness into his marvelous light. Just think of Mephibosheth. He was in Lodeba. Far away. Far away from hope. But through the grace of Christ, through the grace of the king, the king brought him from being nothing into the palace. Not because he did anything. By grace you are saved. Does it make sense to you? Oh, by grace you are saved. Not by your own works. But it is through the grace of God. Let none boast because you've done nothing. You may sit down, guys. Thank you so much for helping me to demonstrate something here. So Paul is saying, at one time we were strangers, far away. But God, through Christ, he brought us. We are no longer strangers and foreigners in the kingdom of God. But we are now heirs who can sit at the king's table. You know what I love the most? is the response of Mephibosheth. I would rather have the presence of the king than all the silver and the gold of the world. What would be your response now to Christ compared to the grace and the mercy that is extended to you? Will you say, I would rather have you than all the kingdoms of this world? God has given us his grace, church. It is my prayer this morning that we may respond positively to the grace of God. It is my prayer this morning, like Mephibosheth, we would say, if, you know what? I care more for you, my king, than your benefits. I would rather have you than all these benefits. That is the story of Mephibosheth and David. I was sharing that with my, with my family this past week. And I said, you know what? The Bible is so fascinating. Anywhere you go, it is the story of salvation. Anywhere you read, you flip this page, you just see the love of God. You go to Jeremiah, you go to... It is all about the love of God in this. God has given us everything, church, for us to be saved. Because he loves you. I want to speak to someone and say, I don't know your Lord, Deba, but this story gave me hope. Because I also have my Lord, Debas. Are you there, someone? Yes, there might be someone here who is sitting in a low-debacle situation and you need grace and you need power that, Lord, remember me. 
the pastor is here. Pastor, maybe you can come and give us a closing prayer. There might be someone who is saying, you know what? I am in this situation and I need the Lord's grace. A special prayer. I'm struggling. I'm having challenges. You know your struggles. You know your challenges. You know your fears. Some of us, we are in the Lord's labor of sin. We are struggling. But God has extended his grace this morning. Maybe there might be someone. You might raise your hand wherever you are. Who needs a special prayer? Maybe you're having some very, very tough situation in your life. I can see some hands, Pastor. You can come here and stand with me. I can see their hands here. People understand their different situations. They need that grace and that favor. It is our prayer and my prayer and my belief that God is able to turn your story. He's able to turn your conclusion. It's not over until God says it's over. It might be a marriage. It might be a financial situation. It might be a family. It might be a job. And you need that favor. You might be struggling with something. The pastor is here. And God knows exactly what you need. Pastor, may you pray for those. May I ask those that are raising your hand, just stand up. Please, may you stand up. Wherever you are. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the vivid reminder of how we fell. Amen. Like Mephibosheth, we fell. And the fall was debilitating. The yes. fall was crippling. And that's what sin does to us. Amen. But we thank you that when we, even though we have fallen, we serve a God who's willing enough to travel to a far country and to redeem us from the fall. Amen. And today we reach out in response to your grace, Amen. to your searching. We exclaim with a hymn writer, I've wandered far away from God. Amen. Now I'm coming home. The path of sin too long I've trod. Lord, I'm coming home. Coming home, coming home. Never more to roam. I pray that your, would, your grace would give us strength never more to roam. We thank you that the grace is not just forgiving, but the grace is sustaining too. We thank you that you found us in our forgotten places, in our Lodi barn, and you seat us this morning in heavenly places with Jesus himself. And so, dear God, we present to you those who are standing. You know their hearts. You know where they are right now in relation to you. I ask with a hymn writer, Lord, plant their feet on higher ground. Lift them closer and closer to your riven side and keep them there. We place their lives on the altar of sacrifice. Let it be fully, fully dedicated to you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.